Welcome to the Parenting Life Podcast. It's great to have you with us. This is our third episode. We're having a great time talking about parenting issues, and you're the star of the show. We've got callers that have been calling in. Hopefully, if you haven't caught a past episode, we encourage you to go back and listen to the first two. These are our pilot episodes. It's a concept show that we're launching on the K-Wave Podcasting Network, and we'd love to get your feedback and possibly have you featured on a future broadcast. You can find our website at parentinglifepodcast.com. I'm Josh Taransky. I'm joined on the line by my dad, Scott Taransky, Dr. Scott Taransky. He is a author. He's a speaker, speaks on parenting around the country. He's also a pastor of a Calvary Chapel in New Jersey. He's, uh, like I said, he's my dad. He's married. What else about you? I guess you got five kids. I'm the oldest. You got four grandkids. Thanks for joining us, Dad. I I like to work with families. Just, I counsel with families every week, sometimes on the phone around the country, sometimes in my office. Just this week, uh, yesterday, I was working with a 15-year-old girl struggling with anxiety, and I'm just helping her connect with with uh, the Holy Spirit and what God wants to do in her heart, mm. and just working her, with her, you know, with some therapy, some therapy strategy. When I say therapy, I mean practice sessions. Yeah. Some pipe, you know, sometimes people don't like the word therapy in our Christian circles. But did you know that the word therapneustos is the Greek word in the Bible used when Jesus healed someone? The word therapy isn't mm. in the Bible. But Jesus healed people, and that's where the word therapy comes from. Now, I would suggest the therapy that we do with our kids sometimes is practice sessions, just like physical therapy helps them to learn how to walk better, or speech therapy is practice sessions for the mouth. There is character therapy that our children need, and parents, are the, I believe, are the best therapists for their children if they have a good plan. So I'm really glad we're doing this podcast so that we can give parents plans, we can help them get in touch with what God wants to do in their kids, because some children have some really difficult challenges in life. So I hope today somebody's going to call in and we're going to be able to deal with some tough problems and just pray that God will work through some some ideas from his word, through the Holy Spirit in that child's heart, and, and maybe we'll give those parents some um, hope and some solutions that will help their kids to move forward. Absolutely. And that's the joy of doing this podcast is, you know, there's a lot of podcasts out there, parenting podcasts that just talk through concepts. And those are great. Um, but, you know, on a weekly basis, I'm involved in, in the, uh, the radio program, Pastor's Perspective. We take calls. And, you know, there's nothing like having a live caller, somebody who's going to share their real life story, what's going on in their life, and let us give a perspective on that. And uh, I think the power of that is that, you know, we all live our own lives, and there's this hunger inside of us to hear kind of this, the, the camaraderie of somebody else who's going through the issues. So, you know, for a parenting podcast, to be able to hear somebody else has got, you know, an 11-year-old that uh, sometimes isn't always respectful to his parents, man, that, that's encouraging to me, and it's encouraging to talk through that and, and hear some solutions. I come away from that conversation feeling like, man, I, I'm excited to see what God's doing in my family. And and I do. I have an 11-year-old, a 9-year-old, and a 5-year-old, so I'm right in the thick of it. I'm sitting here listening to other people call in about their issues with uh, their family, and I'm just soaking it up like a sponge as you're sharing with people, Dad. Great. Well, thanks, Josh. I- I'm gra- glad you're working with my grandkids. I, I mean, <laughs> you and-, and your wife are doing a good job, so keep doing it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, we're having fun. All right, well, let's talk with uh, Lisa. Lisa's called in from Rancho Santa Margarita. I appreciate uh, you waiting, Lisa. How are you doing? 
I'm doing great. Thank you for taking my call. Yeah, we talked very, a little very bit. Grateful. We talked a little bit earlier on the phone, and you weren't sure whether or not you get a good signal, but you sound crystal clear. Fabulous. Good. Thank you so much for for calling in. Share a little bit about your story. All right. Well, I am. I'm a, a single parent. I've been divorced for 12 years. I've been a Christian for seven of those 12 years. I've um, lived my life the same way, well, except for being married. Once I was divorced, it was, I just kept taking care of my son, going to work, and pretty much living my life the same way. I didn't have many problems with him. High school, a little bit, I kept him in a lot of sports. Um, but after high school, uh, there was a little bucking. Uh, recently, he moved out with friends. He was experimenting with drugs. Um, and now he's back home, and it's, I'm very grateful he's back home. Yes, I've made rules, um, but I did catch him experimenting with some spice not too long ago. It scared me. I didn't even know what the heck it was. He was mm. out of his mind. I thought, oh, my gosh, this kid is hallucinating. I was scared. Mm. I was scared. And I just grabbed him and got him to calm down, and I started praying with him. I told him that you got to recommit to Christ now. I made him sit down and watch um, a, a talk that um, the man that wrote The Seal of God, mm. he was amazing. He was at Harvest at the grand opening. I pulled it up on the computer. I said, you're going to start, you're going to sit here and you're going to watch this entire program. And as he watched this entire program, and we talked a little bit afterwards, uh, he's been coming back to church with me, uh, he can't find the Bibles I've given him. I've been doing Lisa, a lot of praying. I just—I bet you have, Lisa. Let me ask you a question. How old is your son? He's going to be twenty-one. He's angry, confused. Um, okay, and he's living at home. He's living at home, even though he's—he's he's got the problem. You know, he's—I'm—I'm I'm helping him. You know, make the steps of every Good. day. We get up, we do this, we do that. But he is so lost. I'm printing mm. up. Uh, Bible, ver the, the, uh, Greg Laurie's uh, Bible studying on the morning, the devotionals, and I print it up and I put it there every morning. You need a little bit of God's Word. You've got to get back into God's Word. Good. And Good. he, oh, absolutely. I mean, I've been praying. I've got, I've got everybody praying for this child. Mm. I've got two churches, everybody, but I just, I'm scared. All right, let me ask you some I, question, Lisa. Uh, it sounds right. to me, first of all, I want to I want to uh, describe for people what uh, you've done and try to analyze this because you've done some really good things and I want other people to learn from your experience. Okay. First of all, okay. when you discovered that your son was experimenting with spice, which is a drug, uh, then um, you you know you did your research. You know what's going on. You found out what's happening, but then this became a crisis in your son's life. Now, I want to talk about crises because uh, in the lives of our children, there are times when a crisis takes place and parents need to be ready for these. You mm -hmm. seem to have handled it pretty well, but I want to talk about how best to handle crises when they come. The crisis happens at any age of a child, whether you have a 12-year-old uh, and he gets Fs uh, on his report card and you, you're surprised and shocked by that, then we create a crisis. 
if that isn't already one, or a child who's 15 and the police show up at your door, that's a crisis, or your child's 17 and gets in an automobile accident, that's a crisis. In this case, your, your son's 21 years old and uh, you have discovered that he's experimenting or, or uh, playing around with drugs and, that, and you created a crisis. Now, I want to talk about crises for a moment because I think that parents often mismanage them. One is that parents often just go ballistic and start yelling at their kids, damage relationship, and uh, create a problem. Now, I'm not opposed to being emotional in those moments because crises are often terrible things, bad things that are going on, and so being emotional can be helpful, but we have to be careful about our vocabulary, the things that we say about the kids. We don't want to say something that we would regret. Secondly, it, it sounds to me uh, secondly, when it comes to a crisis, I want you to know that you have uh, that two important things happen. One is you get to change the rules, and you, that's what you've done. You've changed the rules and emphasized more practical spirituality in his life. It's not about rules, you have to go to church, although you probably do require that. We're saying, let me show you how we practice spirituality. So what you're doing is you're saying, we're going to sit down and watch a, uh, a program uh, that has a, a teacher on it that is has some power to it that is going to help you and you need to listen to that and we're going to I'm going to provide you with daily devotions to try to encourage you in your spiritual walk and you didn't say this but obviously you are highly committed to the Lord and so you're looking for ways to be transparent in your own spiritual life here's what God is teaching me I am praying for you and I appreciate it if you would pray for me. So that's one of the things you get is you get to change the rules. You might say we're pulling with younger kids. You might say we're taking the cell phone away. We're going to require counseling. We're going to require that we park the cell phone before you go to bed. We're going to require that you work on schoolwork before you have video games. You can do all kinds of things. You can change the rules. The second thing you get in a crisis is that you get one good conversation. And sometimes you get more, but you don't want to ruin your one conversation by lining your kid up there and start blasting him away and yelling at him. And, and it sounds to me like your significant conversation was powerful. And you're trying to influence him because he's just experienced something uh, and gotten caught or gotten in trouble or something bad's happened. And so kids usually in those moments expect that something is going to happen. They're more responsive, more receptive in that moment. And so you usually get one good conversation. So you want to emphasize, you know, here this the the danger of what the child's done. You want to talk about where they need to go instead, and you're going to change some of the rules in order to get there. I'm going to step in and help you do that. So it sounds to me, Lisa, as you've is if you've made some good moves with your son to draw him in and uh, and move forward. So I wanted to make those comments. I'll let you keep talking, but the way you handled the crisis there seems to be wise. Thank you. I, what I've been trying, what I have been doing, trying to do now that my son is back home is to truly be more of an unconditional loving person and not a parent. And that's very hard because I, mm. I've been a parent for so long because when you're a parent and you're the only one, you've got to protect, you've got to do both sides. You worry, you know, you know what it's like. You're, you're basically, sure. you're on 24 seven. You don't shut yeah. off. Mm. Yep. And now, Lisa, now, let me ask you and this. And then when he had left for that brief period of time, I was like, oh, my gosh, here's me. But now he comes back and it's like, I can't, the, the rules have changed. I can't, he's not a kid anymore. Mm. I can't yeah. parent the way I was. So I'm trying to live my life in a way that he sees. And just yesterday, Good. the very first time, 
He said, I do see a difference between you and such and such. I see a difference mm. between you. Right. I, I th- he's blind. I know he's blinded. I, I, I want whatever wisdom you can give me to be a better parent. I need this. Mm. Okay, you're doing a good job, Lisa. I want to ask you a question. Um, you're a single mom, you mentioned, and, and that means the dad's not in the picture. I just want to ask you, did the dad pass away or, or did, uh, did you, you get divorced? Is the dad still in his life? Did his dad abandon you? I mean, just give me a little bit of information there. I don't need the well, whole story. No, no, that's all right. That's all right. Uh, his father left us for um, other people. And, okay. you know, yeah. So we've how, we were abandoned. How long ago was that, Lisa? Mm-hmm. About how long ago was that? Twelve years ago. Well, actually, right, so, the first time, probably seventeen. The time when this time, twelve. Now that I took him back the first time, now twelve. Boom, that's it. No more. It's just been mm-hmm. my son and I for twelve years. Okay. All right. So, what that tells me is that this young man has been without this dad who has rejected him, has abandoned him, and that has a significant influence. And, and I want to say that a dad has a different kind of an influence than a mom. And, and I think that's why God placed two parents in a family. And so when a dad leaves the family like that, it makes a significant impact. Now, it's not just in, I mean, there's a lot of dads who are in intact families who, who aren't, aren't doing a good job, you know, yelling at their kids or they're they're being abusive to them, or, or they're just not around. And so uh, that is dangerous. I, I would just suggest that any dads that are listening to this need to know that a dad's influence on a young person is very, very important. There's some needs that are there, so much so that God chooses to call himself Father and teaches us how to relate to him as Heavenly Father. Now, none of us are perfect. We all have problems. All of us dads have made mistakes in our life, and that gives us the privilege to introduce our children to the Heavenly Father. Uh, and God does tremendous amount of healing, but we want, our, we want to make sure we realize the importance of a dad in a child's life. It's just really significant. Now, the fact that you're, this, this dad is gone means that mom is going to step up to the plate, and we have plenty of examples in God's Word where there are, all, there are alternative family situations where good things can happen. And so you can have, Lisa, a successful family, uh, you, you and your son, and, and accomplish the things that God designed the family to be. But let me outline a couple of these things that you're going to want to work on and be thinking about as you're trying to pass values on to your son. One is you want him to understand this true sense of spirituality. So it's not just about attending church or praying before meals. This is about living the life of Jesus Christ. And you're doing that, and kudos to you. That's powerful. That's the strongest thing you could do. You're also trying to build relationship with him, which is very significant. But here's what solid families do. Solid families, and you can do this with your son. You don't have to have two parents and two kids and, you know, a car in the garage. We don't have to have that. We, all we need to do is, is embrace God's design for the family, and you want to have a plan for dealing with conflict. You want to have a plan for dealing with emotions in your home. So this is, we're not just talking about you having a plan and your son having a plan. We're talking about together do you have a plan. We can have a family where dad's doing well at work and mom's doing well at her job and Billy's working on his piano and we're helping him do well at school and Mary over here is doing her kind of thing and we're helping her be successful. But all the individuals are successful in a family, but the family unit itself is moving further and further apart. Why? Because the family itself has not been nurtured. 
And so as you're working on your strengths and he's working on his strengths, you also want to work on the we strengths. Let's talk about how we're going to handle conflict. Let's talk about how we're going to deal with emotions. Let's talk about how we're going to solve problems. Uh, let's talk about how we're going to make decisions. All of those kinds of things mm. will define how your family develops its own strength. A strong family is one that is growing in those things together, not just all as separate units. Does See, that make sense to you, Lisa? That makes so much sense. I never even thought of that. That, yes, amazing. <laughs> yes, it makes a lot of sense because it's a different dynamic. I have a young man living with me, not a lo not a small child. I never had never even thought of that in my. Yes, it makes sense. Thank you. So, so Dad, you're talking about really building a team mentality that that Lisa is is communicating to her son that look, we're on the same team, and we're gonna we're gonna work together on having a plan on how we handle conflict, and so work through some of these things a, a, a bit more so we understand where this is going. All right, so uh, what we're saying here is that Lisa is, wants to, this is what you want to say, and I'm going to model this for you, Lisa, so you know how to talk to your 21-year-old. Here's what I would say. Son, um, I'm really glad that you're living at home. This gives us an opportunity to work out some things in our lives. God uses the family as a place to grow and learn, and so when you move back in home, it means that I'm going to learn some important things, and you're going to learn some important things too, so I'm grateful that we're working together. I have a job to do as a mom. My job is to equip you to live in the adult world. So I'm really glad that I can influence you in that regard. Your job as a young person is to get launched. You're 21. You can live in this home for the rest of your life, but I want you to have the ability to live on your own should that uh, be something that God wants you to do. I want to prepare you to make decisions about finances. I want to help you to, to be wise in making medical decisions. I want to help you know how to make decisions in general, and I want to help you know how to connect to God in every area of your life. So I'm really glad that you're here. Now, I'm not a perfect parent, and uh, I'm trying to grow too, and I've never raised a 21-year-old before, especially not you. I've never raised a Billy before, let's say. And so um, if you have some ideas about how I can relate to you more effectively, I want to listen to those. But I still have a job to do. We're not just here as, as housemates. I'm still the mom, and uh, you have some important things to learn and grow, and I want to have an input in your life to make that happen. So I'm going to be working with you to strengthen you in those ways. Hmm. Does that make sense, Lisa, that kind of conversation? Oh. oh, my gosh. That makes so much sense. I love it. I love it. You're giving me all these wonderful new, new tools to work with. I need this. I need this because I'm like, okay, 21, what do I do? I can't look at him as a child, and mm. he's not really an adult yet. And this, yes, this is what I need. This is how I need to go forward tonight when I go home to make dinner. Mm -hmm. Good. So talk mm -hmm. about that in general terms and then zero in on one of these things that I mentioned. Let's talk about emotions, for example. A family needs to have a plan for emotions, not just not just you dealing with your anger and anxiety and so on, and not just him dealing with his emotions so he doesn't spout off. But when I'm upset as a mom, how are you going to respond to me in that regard? Or when you're upset, what should I do in those moments so that if I feel like you're being abusive to me because you're angry, how am I supposed to respond? Let's talk about this so that we can develop a partnership in regards to the emotional challenges that our family faces. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yes, it does. So, okay, so you want to have those kind of conversations, get in a little bit deeper on that level. Okay, so let me ask, let me jump in here for a second, Lisa. Let me ask a, a question kind of on your behalf. Um, 
what kind of expectations should Lisa have as she goes into this conversation? Because this is a, I mean, this sounds like a big conversation and, and she's mm-hmm. excited. I'm excited for Lisa to have, to, you know, to be able to, to approach things in this way. But dad, what, what kind of expectations should she have? Well, I, I don't really know uh, her son, but obviously she has an impact on him. She's been able to pass on some spiritual things to her son and try to influence him. So mm-hmm. the, here, the goal here isn't so much control, or the, you might have to exert some control. It's more influence, the power of influence as opposed to the power of position. And so you're going to influence him. And so that conversation is going to, you might say to him, uh, hey, I got something I want to talk to you about. And, and so you're trying to open the door, expecting that he might respond to you. Okay, go ahead. What do you want to tell me? You know. And so you start going into that, and you're watching him. So if you, you'll know if you get into lecture mode and you start going too far, mm-hmm. he might start rolling mm-hmm. his eyes, and, you'll say, and you want to say, oh, oh, there you are. You're rolling your eyes. You're giving me the message that I'm talking too much. Okay, I'm going to back off. I just want you to I want to say that I'm glad we're a team. Mm-hmm. Now, I'll back off. I'm getting the message from you that I'm talking to him. So I think we have to be responsive, that is, looking at the other person. We have to be thinking about their what they're doing, and the expectations then will kind of be played off of the dynamic that we have. I don't, I don't think I can say, here's what 20-year-old, one-year-olds need uh, as far as how far we can go in a dialogue. I know what 21-year-olds need, but I don't know mm-hmm. the dynamic between them. So you're really playing with that dynamic, trying to influence it in a way that you're moving to this place of an adult-adult relationship. Awesome. Yes, yes, that's what I want. That's mm-hmm. great. Wow. Yes. So uh, how can Lisa give you feedback on, because I, I think we all want to know how this goes. Maybe she can't tell the world how this conversation goes, but um, I know you've in the past given out your email, Dad. What's what's Yeah. That? Yeah, my email address is scott at biblicalparenting.org. I obviously can't respond to all the emails that come to my office, but... I would really like to know, put in that subject line, Lisa, uh, Lisa from the uh, Parenting Life Podcast. Uh, Parenting Life Podcast. Yeah. Uh, and then I'll, I'll be really eager to hear your report about you know what we did, what we talked about. What did you try? What worked? Because then maybe we'll have you on the show again in a month or something and tell us, what progress are you making? I'd love to hear that. So email me, then I, and when you do, I can connect with you, and we can make sure you get back on the podcast and, and cut through some of the red tape. We want lots of phone calls, but if we mm-hmm. get inundated with phone calls, we might, you, know, you might get pushed to the side, and, but if you email me directly, then maybe we can move forward. Let, let me just suggest, I have a book that I've written that you might find helpful as you're working with an adult child. This is the book I recommend to parents. It's called Parenting is Heart Work. Uh, not hard work, but heart work. Mm. And this is a book that really gives you an understanding of the heart from a biblical perspective. We look at 750 times the word heart is used in the Bible, and then we try to, uh, out of that, draw out principles about the heart and trying to reach that person on a heart level. So there's lots of different ways to reach the heart of a child. Uh, that book, Parenting's Heart Work, will give you guidelines for communicating with an adult child. It'll help you to know how to move forward in some strategic way. So... I'm really grateful, uh, Lisa, that you're on the, you've been on this phone call. We've kind of taken the whole time with you, but that's, I think, great because you've got some, a great story that I think will impact other people and help them. So thank you very much for being on with us. No, thank you, and I will, I will uh, get, get the email. I've been walking this whole time, so I, but I will get the email, and thank mm-hmm. you because I want to give you a progress report. I am going to do this because mm-hmm. I know we're going to see a lot of good changes. Thank you so much, mm-hmm. and I will get 
And is the book carried at the bookstore over at Calvary in Costa Mesa? Yes, it is. It is. Perfect. And if you can't find it, get a hold of me, and I'll help you get, get your hands on it. All right. All right, I will. Thank you very much. Thank you, Lisa, so for calling. So God grateful. bless you. Yeah, we appreciate you sharing your life with us. The Lord be with you. Oh, my gosh. Hmm. Got chills. Thank you. I'll, I'll be in contact, okay? Thank you. All right, bye-bye. You. you know, Josh, so, sometimes parents, um, they feel like their kids have grown, you know, or, or when the kids are younger, they're thinking, I can hardly wait till my kids are 18 or something because then they'll be out of the house. Or they think that their parenting job is over when they're 18. And I would suggest that nowadays we're influencing our kids much further into adulthood uh, than many uh, many are. Now, you know, some kids are ready to go. Like, Josh, you were ready to go when you were 18, maybe 17. You yeah. were out at Bible college. You were out ready to be on your own. But that doesn't happen with all the, the uh, kids today. Many kids are, are at home longer, and adolescence grows well into the 20s. So uh, that third Absolutely. stage of adolescence that goes between age um, 20 to 25, give or take a couple years, that age is the launching stage where parents have significant influence on their kids as they're making major decisions about their lives going forward. Yeah, the stuff you're talking about is really uh, intriguing to me because, uh, you know, my kids are younger. They haven't hit um, their teen years yet. Uh, my oldest son is just getting close to this this age. And so when I think of a 21-year-old, I just think of, man, how, you know, is there really a chance to influence that that kid? Is there you know, how much can you do? I don't know because I'm not there yet. But the stuff yeah. that you've shared has been really powerful and obviously really encouraging to, to Lisa. I'm excited to hear back about what she has to say. Let me just recap some of the things that you covered. Uh, you started off by talking about using a crisis as an opportunity uh, with our kids. And you said that there are two things that happen when there's a crisis. One, you get a chance uh, to change the rules and two, you get a chance to have one good conversation, maybe more, but you get at least one good conversation. I'm going to talk about the first one here. You get a chance to change the rules. When you say that, are you saying that there's been existing rules and now you're going to become stricter? Or, or what do you mean by that? Well, there may be some things you feel as a parent that you wish you could change. Like right now, you're feeling a little bit uncomfortable at the amount of time spent on the on the computer games, or you're feeling a little bit of uncomfortable about uh, something that's happening with friends. Well, when the crisis happens, then you can take those uncomfortable feelings that you had and say, okay, look, we're going to change the things. You're not going to be spending time with those friends anymore. We're going to have a bedtime, or we're going to have screen time limitations. Mm. We're going to set up some guidelines. So at that point, you're pulling back. Yes, it is more a little more strict because the child's gotten himself into trouble. And then you're going to release that over time when the child's demonstrating responsibility. But now you can implement that opportunity to pull back and, and implement some of those rules or, or restrictions that you kind of felt uncomfortable with over the last few months. You've been wanting to do something. The crisis gives you the opportunity to do it. Yeah, fascinating. That's that's a great point. Well, we'd love to have you on the show. If you're listening right now, we'd love to feature your question, your call. You can go to the uh, Parenting Life Podcast website, which is http backslash backslash www.parentinglifepodcast.com, or just search us on Google. You'll find us there. We would love to feature you. There's a little form you fill out. Uh, you fill that out, and we'll get a hold of you. We'll let you know when the next set of episodes will be recorded, and we will invite you to call in at that time. So it's great to have you a part of the listening audience. 
If you haven't yet stopped by the iTunes store and given us a review, we'd appreciate that. That helps us with our rankings on iTunes. It's so great to be with you. Thanks for connecting with us, listening to the show. Share it with your friends. That'd be such a blessing to us. Until next time, God bless you.